0: Don't you wish your life came with a warning app?
1: That dog does not want to be petted.
0: (laughs) Well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome, but pre-diabetes does. Take the one-minute test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners.
1: Coming up on the Money Beat podcast, Janet Yellen talks about the labor market, and we're still waiting for 20000
2: This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Steven Grosser.
1: Hello and welcome to the Money Bee podcast. I'm Steve Grosser. I'm joined in the studio of Aaron Kurloff. In DC, Ben Lubsdorf is joining us, and we have a special guest, Paul Vigna joining us from Charlotte, North Carolina, where he's hunting zombies. How's it going, Paul?
3: Roo- it's going well. It's going well. I am on the road doing research. Yes,
1: I am. But <laughs> Good. so Good you got to give our listeners a little bit more than that. What are you doing in Charlotte, North Carolina?
3: Well, okay, I'll be very brief. I'll be very brief. There's a convention in Charlotte this weekend called the Walker Stalker Con. It's a Walking Dead fan convention. So uh, I came down for it, doing research for the book. And
1: uh, And for those who don't know, Paul's writing a book about the Walking Dead, right?
3: I am, yes, because as much as it pains you grosser, I also write about things other than the markets for the Wall Street Journal. Wow.
1: I don't know how I allow that.
3: Uh, you, you allowed it. You let it happen. It's all your fault. You have no one to blame but yourself.
1: I'm a but weak I'm, leader.
3: I was so inspired by your efforts this week while you were actually on vacation.
1: You I, was not, I, I was not on vacation.
3: Well, you were out. Yes. You were out. Yes. Let's put it down. You were out. You were still contributing, and I said, I, I can't let this podcast go without contributing <laughs> something as well.
1: Uh, And actually, you make uh, our listeners appreciate the fact that you're uh, joining us. Um, This is, I mean, this it's it's Friday afternoon. I'm I'm gonna get rid of the pretense that we're pre-taping, and that means we are uh, (laughs) doing our week ahead. Um, And Ben, that's that's why you're joining us. So, first off, there was a late addition to the calendar this week. Janet Yellen is going to be speaking about jobs on Monday.
2: Uh, That's correct. She's going to be speaking in Baltimore on Monday afternoon, uh, a speech on the state of the job market. Uh, You know, this is coming, of course, very shortly after the Fed raised interest rates uh, for just the second time since the crisis. So uh, we know she'll be talking about the labor market. We know that the labor market is a big part of the framework that she has set out for policy, that they believe that if unemployment is low, and it is low, that that will eventually put upward pressure on inflation, and that means that they get to raise rates. They raise rates to control the inflation. And I'm assuming that we'll learn some new stuff about how she's viewing the labor market uh, in that speech on Monday, um, which builds on her press conference uh, this past Wednesday, where she, in a position of a press conference, she's sort of speaking for the Fed, for the committee. When she gives a speech like this, it gives you more insight into her own views, her own positions on this stuff.
1: We're generally does the you know the labor market you know sort of sit in the fed's mind
2: well it's a big part of their framework for action and right. you know they've signaled in their statements and in this press conference this past week that they think that the economy is at or nearing full employment this sort of mystical state where the economy unemployment is as low as it can go without generating upward pressure on inflation. Now they want some upward pressure on inflation. That's why they are okay their own projections show that the unemployment rate will undershoot its normal long-run level for the next few years. They want some pressure on inflation to get it back up to 2% their goal. But they think that the labor market is doing is pretty healthy at this point that it's pretty close to where they want it to be. I mean the the one question, oh go ahead, Paul.
3: I had a question. I mean, Ben, why the late addition to the schedule? I mean, Janet Yellen. I would think she's a relatively busy person. Like, I wouldn't think that she would just kind of like, on the, you know, someone would say, "Hey, Janet, you free Monday?" and she'd say, "Oh yeah, sure, I'm free." Why? Why the late addition to the to the schedule? And should we read anything into that?
2: I'm I'm not sure we should read anything into that. You know, they put out the feds week ahead schedule on Thursdays so that's when we Mm -hmm. found out about it we don't know how long this thing's been scheduled but uh you know there are not that many Fed speakers these next few weeks because you know there's holidays and they like have families too uh so this is just we're not going to have that much Fed speak taking us through to the new year this is a big one
1: we've seen the you know the number of jobs added each month this year you know the average slowdown that's to be expected as an economy gets closer to full employment but wages still are struggling um and they're not where the fed wants them to be uh, how much do you think that's going to be you know a discussion point for
2: I would be surprised if it didn't come up. Uh, wages are a really important signal for them because when wages are starting to accelerate, that will tell you that you're close to full employment. There has been some pickup over the last couple of years. Uh, you know they've noted that they noted that it was sort of these nascent signs. Now it looks more solid. We've gone from a pretty s- consistent two percent annual growth to closer to two and a half or higher. Uh, it's uneven from month to month, but that's about where we are now. Uh, and, you know, it's not its not where it used to be. It's not where you might expect it to be in a really tight labor market. But the Fed and Janet Yellen in particular have pointed to other things that might be holding down wages that aren't just unemployment and the general health of the labor market. A big one is the very sluggish trend for productivity growth that we've seen since the recession. And there's other stuff going on as well. But I I, I would be very interested in this speech that's coming on Monday to see, see what she says about the wage situation.
1: After Janet Yellen finishes speaking on Monday, the big day this week for data is Thursday. But before that, the National Association of Realtors is out with existing home sales on Wednesday. The October report that came out last month showed that the housing market was stabilizing.
2: Right. So in October, sales picked up to the basically fastest pace since early 2007. We're not quite back to where we were during the bubble. But uh, that's a pretty good pace. That's a cycle high. Uh, Economists think that existing home sales, and these are the bulk of home purchases in the U.S. New home sales are a very small slice of the market. Uh, They think that the economists think that their sales are going to pull back a little bit in November. It's going to be down 1.3 percent is the consensus. Uh, That's not too bad. I mean, coming off of a record high, you'd expect it to maybe not continue on that. One big thing we're going to be watching out of that report is what's going on with mortgage rates. We know that they're up a lot since the election. The Fed is raising rates. That's going to put more pressure on mortgage rates. At what point does the fact that mortgage rates are now at their highest level in a couple of years tell us about what effect is that going to have on home buying activity and price growth?
1: That's one of the big questions. I mean, I think what we've seen in this recovery in the housing market is there's been a a lack of inventory, low interest rates, prices have gone up. If you take away, you know, sort of interest rates and what, you know, the mortgage rate people are getting, how much of that's going to impact prices going forward? Um, what about, you know, is there anything we should be looking for from, I mean, uh, the final <laughs> reading for third quarter GDP?
2: Uh, I would not spend too much time on the GDP report, uh, if you're short on time this week. You know, it's the third estimate of GDP for the third quarter, which, you know, was almost three months ago that it ended. Uh, economists think that it's going to get bumped up a little bit to a 3.3% growth rate. But, you know, we're more interested at this point in the fourth quarter, and the tracking is looking a little weaker for that. A lot of the one-time things that boosted growth in the third quarter, including this big soybean export surge, are going to be going away in that next that next quarterly reading. And, uh, and Soybeans soy aren't uh, – that's not sustainable.
0: That's very disappointing to me. It really is. <laughs> Just yeah. as a soybean enthusiast.
3: <laughs> but, well, I mean,
1: Paul, the, the other want report coming out that day is durable goods, and I know that's one of your favorite. And we had a really strong report last time. Uh, I
3: know. I saw that.
1: What? Well, what are you, are, are you getting excited for this? You're going to be back I, so you can write about it.
3: I will be. Actually, Thursday – to me, Thursday is the most interesting day because you get the durable goods – all or, Thursday, yeah. Which which is interesting. Uh, you know, the headline is interesting what it says, but of course there's always the, what, the most interesting thing in durable goods is that you get this reading on business spending, which has been down, I think at one point this year, when you looked at it year over year, it was down more than 4%. Now it's down less than 4% because spending has picked up a little bit in the last few months. So it's going to be interesting to see where that measure measure lies, if it's made up any more ground. I don't think at no point – I mean, it's too late in the year. You're not going to have a good year for business spending. But you can kind of maybe hope to see a trend of it improving, which might give you some idea that in 2017, businesses will feel more confident. They'll be investing in their businesses. You want to see that. The other thing, of course, on Thursday is the Chicago Fed's National Activity Index. Another being your favorite. Another being your favorite, which I know not a lot of people follow, but you should follow it out there. So really, it comes out at 830. Chicago Fed puts it out. Uh, what I find interesting about it is they take 88 different economic indicators. They kind of mash it into one you know, little math equation they have, and they crank out a number. They crank out an index. Numbers above zero indicate... Faster than average growth, and numbers under zero are slower than average growth. So it's not it's not a read on the actual level of economic growth, but it's kind of a read on the speed of growth. And it's just it's just it's a good it's a good measure to kind of plug into your overall portfolio pictures, and you know gives you one more indication of where things are going. So I always kind of look for that one.
1: I think that's probably a good place to take a break. When we get back, we'll talk a little bit about what's going on on the economic calendar overseas and the other big thing we're waiting for in the markets.
2: Hi, this is Paul Jigo, host of the Potomac Watch podcast. Join me and my colleagues every week as
0: we. Don't you wish your life came with a warning app?
1: That dog does not want to be
0: petted. <laughs> well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome, but pre-diabetes does. Take the one-minute test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners.
2: Dissect all of the latest happenings in Washington. Check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts and become a subscriber on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and the Google Play Music app. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back to the Money Beat Podcast. For more podcasts, check us out at wsj.com slash podcast. Follow us on Twitter at WSJ Podcast. And become a subscriber on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. And now, look for us on Google Play Music app on the Android devices. Um, so Ben, what the, what's going on overseas that we should be paying attention to? I know we have a, the BOJ will be wrapping up a two day monetary policy meeting on Tuesday.
2: Uh, that's correct, and there's some some t- talk, some idea that they could raise their assessment of the Japanese economy, which hasn't happened for a while. It's <laughs> mostly been downgrades in the other direction. Right, and I mean you, you guys will follow those markets more closely than me, but uh, the yen is. They, they weren't real happy when the yen was rising. Now the yen is going in the other direction. They're not complaining quite as much.
1: No, that, it, that, it's creating a very interesting dynamic, I think. Uh, I mean, we wrote about that today where you have the yen doing exactly what they had <laughs> hoped <laughs> when they went when negative, <laughs> negative rates um, back in, I think it was, was it February or yeah. January? Yeah. and. But that's also putting pressure on their bonds, because the Bank of Japan came out and said they wanted to keep the bond yield at zero. Um, So, like, they're sort of facing, although supposedly economic activity is picking up in
0: Japan. uh, Yeah, and I mean, they've been ahead on the fiscal stimulus uh, move, which uh, has everyone so excited here in the U.S., and uh, it does look like they finally got some downward pressure on the yen, which... Uh, all their best efforts had not accomplished earlier in the year. Oh,
1: Ben, in Europe, is there anything in particular we should be paying attention to?
2: Uh, It's sort of a quiet week because of the Christmas holiday, but there's on Monday a business confidence survey in Germany uh, from IFO in Germany that's looking at, I guess, Europe-wide confidence, and the European Commission's consumer confidence measure is coming out on Wednesday. But it's sort of a quiet week with the holidays.
1: So, I'm going to throw this to Aaron, because I know he will be paying very close attention to this all next week. Is there is there a certain number out there that has to do with a certain stock index that will be driving your life next week?
0: Yeah, yeah, we're, we're making our next uh, five-digit uh, gain here in the Dow. Um, it might be the fastest five-digit move in history, depending on whether or not it gets done. Um, and it uh, looked like we were headed there for a minute after the Fed on Wednesday, and then uh, the press conference came and we pulled back. And that's kind of, we've been hovering about 150 points below Dow 20,000 uh, ever since, um, with a slight loss today. So, um, yeah, the, I mean, there's a, a lot of investors who's queued up for, uh, you know, a, commemorative round number celebration that uh, keeps getting postponed, um, in part because people fear a faster pace of interest rates, which uh, I don't even I mean, Ben might have a better sense of whether anything has changed on that front or not, but certainly stock I don't think in the
1: next two days, and the last two
2: <laughs> days, much has changed. Well, certainly stock investors
0: <laughs> took that as somehow more hawkish or differently hawkish than uh, the Fed had been previously. Uh, um,
2: well, and one, one reason for that is that the median, the median dot that you're tracking at the end of 2017, it went up just a little bit. It went from two rate hikes next year to three rate hikes next year. Now, it, not many dots move to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the move saying they went from two to three can overstate what actually happened. But that dot did move. That median did move up. So mm-hmm. now it does look like they're penciling in between two and three when before it was pretty solidly two.
0: Um, yeah, and we've seen some I mean, the reaction was a little bit schizophrenic for a lot of the days since, but today and yesterday, we saw some fairly logical buying in financial stocks, which tend to do better in a rising rate environment, and selling of things like utilities, which people buy in times of low rates for dividends that can pay better. And that's been the consistent trend, you know, of going back
1: before The election, Um, and it's gained a lot of momentum. A lot of, yeah, a lot of in
0: this reflation trade since the election, which uh, um, has sort of picked up steam. I think even even more now. Do
1: you think the Santa? I mean, like you know, this this is the period where everyone expects you know stocks to sort of flow upwards, you know, it's light volume trading and stocks tend to just sort of grind higher. Yeah. Do you think that's going to get us there? Or, I mean,
0: has this rally sort of stalled right now at this, at this, you know, key level? Well, it's a real interesting question. So, there's a couple of seasonal factors at work that should uh, keep, you know, the indexes high through the end of the year. One of them is, yeah, the Santa Claus rally effect. Another is the post-election bounce, which is a pretty uniform uh, thing going back many many years. Um, there's only one or two occasions where stocks didn't go up after an election. Um, so in theory, there's some good upward forces. Um, but we've come a long way, and uh, in the indexes in not a very long time. So there are there are certainly investors and uh, you know strategists out there.
1: No, this would this would be as, if we get there before I think in the in the, the 27th. I think so. it oh, will yeah, be yeah. the fastest yeah. period we've gone. You know, in 1,000 increment. Um, yeah. In and and in the last the, – the, the current fastest was from 10,000 to 11,000 during the dot-com boom, which presaged basically the end of the rally because within the year, stocks
0: had peaked and were coming down again. Yes, which brings me to my favorite post-election stat, which is, can you guess which president oversaw the f- biggest run-up in uh, the S&P 500 between election and inauguration days? Mm. Let's think about this, <laughs> Donald Trump. Uh, no, not yet. Though to date, that is, he has had the biggest move. Like, <laughs> no, we had, the, we had
1: an ahead of the tape pointing that
0: out. Right, that was, right. That stocks are rallied. Who would it John be? John Kennedy. John uh,
3: Kennedy.
0: Uh, good, good. You got to go back further than that. The number wow. one president, uh, FDR. Uh, uh, that's actually FDR's uh, number two on the downward move, downward. <laughs> <laughs> because of his predecessor and the big winner, Herbert Hoover. Stocks moved uh, wow. uh, maybe thirteen and a half percent up between election and inauguration for Hoover. Just you threw a little boys. bit of cold water on that <laughs> on this rally there, uh, Mr. Krolow. Uh, the yeah, number one, about. the number one biggest fall, of course, being Barack Obama in two thousand eight, <laughs> uh, where there was a couple of things going on. Similarly, Roosevelt, a couple of things going on when he took office.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I tell you, those Hoover investors talk about a disappointment on what they bought.
0: Out. Yeah, the Hoover bounce—that um, that, yeah, yeah, that's, Hoover that's bounce. still still legendary. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think Kurloff might have just stolen the Papa
1: Bear nickname from you, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> you might have to get back to New York, reclaim it. I might
3: have to, yeah.
1: Um but uh, it, this does raise a question what what are like the you know you 're talking to traders every single day talking to investors, what are they saying about the, where this rally's gone as we said, this is the biggest rally in history for you know yeah. so from election to now um are they getting feeling like the market's gone
0: too far too fast starting to uh, there was a lot of initial enthusiasm just based on sort of the change in confidence so Stocks had, you know, made a couple of moves higher and then kind of plateaued each time this year. Um, And some of the thinking in the post-election rally was, well, people were finally noticing what's actually going on out there, which is the economy is growing, albeit slowly, and that um, it's getting better and that the Fed can start to normalize. And these are all good signals for stocks Um, So they point to that as being some underlying strength to this rally. It's not just a hope rally that uh, a a unitary Republican government will pursue policies that boost growth growth and inflation, um, which is certainly the hope part of the trade. And there are certainly people out there saying, well, that's all hope. Like, we hope that they will pass legislation at all. We have no idea what they will accomplish. And then we hope that the result of those policies will be... What we expect, uh, which is again, you know, remains to be seen. So there are certainly plenty of folks out there now looking at this thing and saying, well, that's a lot, uh, that's a long way in a short time. And we have, we lack evidence for many of the things that people are, are now, you know, the way some of this trade has worked out. Ben,
1: I think that's probably a good place to wrap it up. I mean, do you have anything to add, Ben or Paul?
2: No, I think we covered it. Uh- Yeah, no, no, absolutely.
3: I mean, I think, you know, Dow 20,000 at this point, I would be shocked if it didn't get it before the end of the year. But, you know, the questions about what is fundamentally going to drive this market in 2017, they don't go away just because the Dow reaches 20,000.
1: No. No, totally correct. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, it will be interesting. I think the real question is – you know, does the big round numbers like this do have a psychological I- impact? They do tend to draw retail investors. We, we seem to be seeing retail investors coming back into the market. So does that, that provide right. some fuel to the rally? But I mean, how long is that going to last? And right. you know, this bull market is long, and it's one of the longest. Is it getting old?
0: Yeah, and as, I, as yeah. you know, one guy I talked to this week said, uh, I don't see what's changed except everything got more expensive. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's a very good point um, Thank you for joining us This has been Steve Grosser with Ben Lubsdorf in D.C. Paul Vinya off location in Charlotte, North Carolina And uh, Aaron Karloff in studio Thanks a lot
2: WSJ Podcasts Listen ambitiously